you need to have a right to be lazy if you want to make films. I knew how to do the films, but I don't know how to make a PR, how to send it to the festivals. And I send it over like 600 film festivals. Send all, boom. To consume something with all meanings, we need that clear mind and we don't have it anymore. I remember sitting in front of my computer until like five o'clock in the morning. It was fun back then. It was a beautiful world. But now it has this negative effect. I don't like it anymore. I will produce a few more films, but I am in research for a new medium, actually. New way of telling those stories. I don't know how it will turn out in the end. You're listening to The VFX Process, where we talk to the industry's most talented artists. We take a deep dive into a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind, workflow and career of each artist. The VFX Process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios. In today's episode, Jamie chats with award-winning filmmaker Gokhab Gonan about his unique animated filmmaking process and his vision for a transformative future. Based in Turkey, Gokhalp has made a name for himself with acclaimed short films such as Golden Shot, Avaya and Lal. He opens up about the challenges that come with managing a large animation team and why he finds fulfilment in working with a smaller, more agile group. Interestingly, Gokhalp envisions a future where he can embrace solo filmmaking aided by AI addressing the downsides of prolonged computer use. This episode is a unique window into directing animation, filmmaking, the impact of technology on health, and the possibilities that lie ahead in the world of solo filmmaking enhanced by AI. So get comfortable, this is a good one. Hey Gokhal. Hello. Hello, hello, happy Friday. Happy Friday, you too. Awesome man, how are you, all right, all good? I'm good, how about you? Yeah man, all, all good, I got a coffee rain outside so it's all good there, there was a laboring issue was it your wife or someone else oh yeah my wife we've just had a baby okay. so okay. eight week no nine weeks now so i've got a little son which is incredible everything all right yeah man all good very happy very blessed feels magical but yeah thanks for help all good <laughs> nice 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 yeah, thanks for um, coming on and, and doing the show, Gokhalp. Um Very excited to start talking about maybe a few of the projects, but in particular, uh, Lal. We can start with just an introduction, really. We usually just dive straight in and just start chatting. So if you can just give us a brief introduction and a bit of your background and where it all began. Okay. Well, um, I'm in... 3D animation since like 10 years now and I mean I started to learn it by myself in 2008. I actually was studying interactive media design in Istanbul, it was a star technical university and I wasn't really into it uh, because you know the design, the restrictions, the rules and you know the thing is overall wasn't for me and I was more like an artist guy and in the, in, if you're in a design the artist approach is not really welcomed because design has to be you know uh, has has a purpose has a meaning you can't just make it uh, as you wish so I wasn't really into it so I started learning uh, Maya in 2008 everything was fresh back then everything uh, everyone was just learning starting to learn Maya the resources were a few tutorials in the internet there was uh, a few companies that produced its tutorials and I had a really bad internet connection and I mean <laughs> I remember 
uh, waiting for a night just to watch like five videos just to really? download them. Yeah, yeah. There is a tutorial package I remember. Uh, it was like 30 gigabyte. I wait like 15 days to get it completely, and I <laughs> I didn't even watch <laughs> it completely. Yeah, that, that that was that was difficult times to learn stuff, but it was kind of easy because you didn't have much choice to learn from. I mean, if I was starting now, let's assume that I started to learn Blender now, there's too many resources. So I think someone new could panic now because mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. a lot of resources now. It's quite overwhelming, isn't it, at times when you see um, all all the tutorials or all the methods and all the technologies, all the add-ons, exactly. all the new stuff. It's kind of like... Oh shit, do I, do I have to learn all this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I started to make some commercial works after that. I think it was about 2010 after two years. While doing this commercial works, I keep kept learning because commercial works brings you a lot of experimental areas so you can make a better yourself out of it. In 2010, I made my first short film called Güveç. I can't translate it in English, but it is a dish name in Turkish. I didn't know why I gave that name, but it, it, <laughs> it just fit, okay? And again, in 2010, the Instagram or, or any other art sharing platform wasn't that crazy crowded. So that gave me a chance to show myself, actually. When I put my film into the Vimeo, I remember the next day, a, a lot of good blogs shared my film. Uh, I had a chance to bring my voice to the web, actually. So that that was my luck, I think. And because of that short film, I s started to get more and better commercial works. And that gave me a lot of time. That That is the biggest luck uh, that I got from my career. Because you need to have a right to be lazy if you want to make films you need to have that right you need to have that free time if i was working somewhere as a full time i think i couldn't be able to do it i had a lot of free time i was working one month for a commercial work then i was good to go six months for a personal project so mm -hmm. uh, i start to make golden shot on that times uh, it was 2013 and i uh, finished that film in a year i think and I didn't tell anyone. I, I just made it myself. I it, Nobody was uh, aware that I was doing that. I liked that way of working because, you know, it's like a surprise birthday party. And after finishing that film, look, guys, I did this. And that uh, back then, I didn't know what to do with a film, actually. I mean, I, I, I knew how to do the films, but I don't know how to... Uh, make a PR, how to send it to the festivals and everything. And I didn't know that I'm going to receive anything from it. So I started to send everywhere. Like uh, I was sitting in front of the computer at the end of every month. And I was spending like three, two hours uh, just to check the festivals. And I send it over like 600 film festivals. <laughs> send, send all. Boom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was feeling this forms so fast that like I was the best at it and <laughs> like 200 of them accepted like uh, many awards then I realized that I was a director because those festivals keep telling me you're a director you're a director dear director Gökhan and etc 
that's the that's when I find out that I was a director because <laughs> <laughs> I I was able to make movies, but I don't I didn't know what was my role in that because I was doing everything. I mean, I was a sound guy as well. I was the animator over, over there as well, you know. That's the credits roll up. It's just cock out, cock out. Yeah, that that was fun. That, that was fun. But after that, uh, because of that, I know that I am in the director position and I have a reputation such, uh, I was able to gather a team for the Avaria, my next film that I completed in 2017. Uh, I I had a t- crew of twelve people, six animator, one rigger, really good rigger. He is, was at Pixar. I mean, really good rigger, and animators were as, as well really good. They are all in UK now. We lost them to the UK because oh, uh, really? you know Turkey Turkey giving all the artists to the other countries because of the political issues. That's that thing happening here now, and all of them in UK. And I think they are working mostly in Frame Store, I believe. We've worked, I know a really nice um, guy, uh, and actually, you, you've, you're a mutual connection on LinkedIn. Uh, a, a good friend, Jenk. Kyoksal. Um, yeah, <laughs> such a great guy. I worked with him a few times. We made a YouTube video with him too. Uh, he, he's my friend as well. He's a really good animator. He was in Turkey. Yeah, he's in UK now. Yeah, that that was the other film that I created with the crew but I didn't like really working with the crew then <laughs> 12 people was too crowded for me I mean if I had a producer or executive producer who can manage all the things maybe I can just focus on the director job maybe I made a mistake organizing my team at that point but I take the approach that's get, making my team smaller in the LAL we work with only three people I was like, again, everything else. There was one animator, Ferit Yücel. He animated all the characters, uh, character animations all done by him. him. And there was uh, another artist, Ecem Okumuş, who uh, refreshed the textures of the characters because I made the character in 2010, actually. Lal was a really old and old project. It was waiting in a folder and I was never, I was never able to finish it. Um, but I I've, I had finished the rig uh, models and everything, and I asked Ejem just update the textures with a better looking uh, artist touch. She is uh, way better than I am about this, and she refreshed the characters. Then we completed that film that way. So that's pretty much my journey. Okay, that's amazing. I'd love to dive into a little bit more about that and then also the process of LAL. Just going back to Avaria, just to touch on that a little bit, creating the team. How did you go about that? Was it just people that you know? I was really ready to make my next film uh, because, you know, I I had this confidence after uh, Golden Shot uh, and I knew how to manage them i think i knew how to manage them i realized that i didn't (laughs) knew that much but i i had that confidence and then um there was one popular feature film in turkey back then bad cats sherafettin it was a really popular turkish animation film i think it's the best feature animation film that had been made in turkey and i just opened that uh, and come to the credits and wrote all the animators in the credits and some of them already knew me because of my uh, golden shot, and they just trusted me. 
Anyway, I mean, uh, having a film helped me a lot, actually, because they kind of knew that I was, I'm going to be able to finish that next film as well. And I got her some uh, money. Because of Golden Shot, I had like $5,000, you say, and I found another $5,000. I got like $10,000 for that film. And I just divided that money between animators and riggers. And they kind of accepted that low rate because they are really good animators and they are able to work with the global standards and global rates. And I was giving really less than that and they accepted it. I think they was craving to do a artistic job as well because they were tired of uh, commercial works as well, I believe. And they accepted it. We worked. Uh, and the difficult part on that was every animator, I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with the textures and uh, rigging artists and everything because they were alone. They were just putting one thing into the film. But when you're working several animators, every animator actually putting their own acting skills to the animation. So there was one character in the film, in the script, but there was six different acts. Six sure. different, yeah. Uh, the challenge were, was for me to you know combining all of that like sometimes I was trying to give the revision to the animator himself herself or I was polishing myself like one animator making it really cartoony style one of them making it really realistic and I was balancing them uh, I wasn't able to do it completely there's still things that itching my eye but still yeah, that seems a really difficult thing to, to do, actually, and, and something that you see in larger productions that maybe not many people consider, but getting that consistent style on, on you know, large productions with 12, 15, 20, yeah. 30 animators to, to really nail the, the style of animation to be consistent. You know, people do it with concept art and, and style artistically because you've got a lot of reference and you build up a lot of pre-production work to kind of give them that rule guide in a way but with animation that's that's another big one isn't it to get that style of animation to be throughout maybe i needed a animation supervisor who can you know combine all of that and who knows how to tell the animator to get that exact act as all the animators is the same being the same so I wasn't really good at that managing that parts uh, I believe but uh, I think anim animators were really talented and understood what I was uh, trying to achieve and I showed other animators work to each other we made like uh, collective meetings and I, right. that helped a little bit as well the job of an animation supervisor is a real kind of orchestrating exactly yeah. a lot of a lot of stuff and, and you clearly playing lots of roles and that's you know a less a lot of learned I, I imagine from Avaria in terms of just everything you know team and yeah, workflow exactly. and I oh, know we're going to go into Lal more more so than the other projects um, I'd love to talk about all of them and we could probably be here for the whole afternoon but one one thing on Avaria which I'm interested in I saw a post on your LinkedIn of had you modeled a part of the character it looks like you're on like a set and you've built it physically yeah that's 3d as well is it it looks like you're in like a workshop yeah that was the point <laughs> oh is it it's brilliant. Yeah. And, and it's funny you say that because when i first watched this short it's got this kind of feeling that it is kind of like 
there's some practical stop motion. I don't know, there's something about it that feels quite touchable, you know? <laughs> yeah. So when I saw that picture, I thought, oh, maybe he's done part this, part that. I'm glad you taught that because that was the initial idea, actually. I mean, when I wrote that script, I was planning to live action shooting the film and like uh, playing, uh, working with an actor, then uh, placing the extra elements in 3D or stop motion, maybe, yeah. But all were in 3D, but uh, I think with the mindset, they should look realistic. Uh, I think that's how you get that feeling. That's why in the many film festivals, my film treated as kind of live action, actually. Oh, not really? really? Like an animation, <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially in Turkey, there was a lot of selection. I was the only film over there as an animation, but it was looking like a live action, actually. You're right. Uh, and I, I like that idea, actually. I mean, maybe I have this uh, retro feeling that producing old assets in like real life, that seems really a fun job to me. I wish I can do that, but I in the picture that you saw was, I mean, <laughs> I shoot, shot myself as a, I was working on a workshop that was my dad's workshop, and I placed that model in 3D over Amazing. there. You tricked me, Kakal. You got me. <laughs> it was successful then, yeah. Brilliant. Thanks. Amazing. I think all your shorts, actually, there's a consistent kind of style throughout. I guess it's natural with any filmmaker. You always carry on something throughout all the projects. I can't help but think of a Love Death, Love Death Robots episode. I wouldn't be surprised to see Avaria, Lal, Golden Shot in, uh, in the anthology of the next season of Love Death Robots. I, I don't know what it is, yeah, but yeah, I would love that. I would love yeah, that. I yeah, I can imagine. Lots of people saying that, and I, yeah, it's it's kind of proud, proud for me because I love that series as well. I don't know. I think um, those directors and I fed from the same place, and I believe those are the games. I think those mechanics in my films and also in Love That and Robots, um, there's a lot of similar stories in the games. Uh, for example, if you look at the Bioshock's lighting, you can see those same lighting in the golden shot. I I basically just took it from there. I mean, I, I really like the lighting. I like the setup. And I said, I'm as a challenge, I'm going to try to achieve the same feeling in my film as well. You can see some old details that exist in Fallout in game series. You can see in my films as well, because I spent a lot of time with that. More than cinema, actually. As a director, I spend more time in games than the cinema. I'm I'm not like a cinephile, but I believe I'm a good gamer. Not really now, but back then. Uh, so they th those helped me a lot. So I think they gave this consistent style to my films and you know to stories. I think that's really interesting, and um, I can I can completely see that now when <laughs> you mention those. You know, where do you come up with the storylines? Is that inspired from any games or is there any kind of inspiration in that area? Mostly games, actually, yeah. Because when you're playing the game, the story froze for a while. While you are completing between missions, you are able to think about the stories when you are going there, like in the Fallout. Let's say you're going to finish a mission and you know what you're going to do. And it's like reading book when you're walking there. And that helps you well actually this story can twist like this uh, this story can evolve like this and that helps you to uh, create a thinking area actually so i think i inspired games more rather than films because films are closed on that terms films keep telling you the story 
but games are leaving more blank spaces while you are having fun. I am thinking about my next story, actually. I mean, of course, there are films does this job as well, but games are better at this, I think. What's also clear as well is you mentioned where you started in design school. It's definitely clear that this you've took some you've that's still got that design flair because you can you can see beautiful design work in 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 everything all these shorts and there's particular things that 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 follow through one for one example would be like the the design of the eye in the character in avaria to the stomach of um the characters in lal with that kind of you know the rings is that your signature thing have you got any signature design elements that you like to take through your projects i like that way of thinking because when you design an element to put that in your film that can help you to evolve your story as well i mean in lal that shrinking stomach was the key point of the story and that had been designed before the script actually and i had that and i started thinking i have a character which has a stomach like this what what is that doing actually what is the purpose of it and starting to writing your script on top of that is creating a nice working area for you because when you're designing something the limitations are good everybody can say that as a designer or an artist because when you are limited when you have certain materials you are being more creative because you know that you have to work with them and it is also taking anxiety out of you because you only have limited resources so designing certain things limiting my resources and i think making me more crea- uh, creative on that approach or if you look at the avaria the robot robot's face when he, robot doesn't want to talk to the man it is closing the jaw and staying as only one circle that wasn't in the script and i start thinking myself if the robot doing this uh, mouth closing thing maybe he doesn't want to speak that much with the man so he has this attitude which affected my script how i wrote it how uh, how their relationship evolved actually so i like my limitations with the design uh, but sometimes it comes after the script sometimes before the script and merging in the end that's really interesting actually i really like that um way of working at how it how it evolves organically i know that you mentioned you had that character in lal long time ago that you just created did did it have the um circular design for the stomach back then yeah yeah did it uh, yeah and did you take that sort of thing into the eye of the character in avaria you know the design of, of his eyes actually i designed it after the script because i was thinking that this man if they if people can if watch the film they will understand and it is online they can watch it as they wish it is like everywhere i was thinking that this man were actually like 40 30 years old but he has to get old in a weird way not like a traditional human being so i need to create different sets of wrinkles i kind of inspired with this white walkers in the Game of Thrones, yeah, they have this weird wrinkles. Sure. It's really mathematical, not really organic. And I, I like that. I kind of applied that to my characters. My idea was when you save an image as a JPEG format, there will, there will be artifacts, right? 
So if you save that image again as a JPEG, then you're going to have more artifacts. And if you keep doing that, you're going to have a glitched, a muddy something, right? So I thought that in this story, that's going to be a spoiler, by the way. But uh, in this story, robot creates the man over and over again. But when doing this, maybe there is a JPEG process happening in the background and this man gets old in a digital way. So I need this wrinkles, like repeating as a mathematical thing. So that was the idea. Amazing. That's brilliant. I love hearing the, the backstories where things like this come from. It's really, really interesting. So I guess we can go on to just LAL, um, the, the, the process of LAL. And where does it all begin? I know that you've mentioned, you know, um, design can be a starting point and then things can evolve from a simple design. Where did it all begin for LAL from the very start? Honestly, I can't remember because it was like 2009, I think. And I was just starting to learn 3D. And uh, and when I was learning 3D, I was also taking my drawings to a comic magazine in Turkey. Back then, they were really popular. They are not making those magazines anymore. But uh, Turkey has a really strong history of comic magazines. We have our own type of drawings. It's also popular in France, but it is more for the comic books. But we have weekly magazines and they were something back then. And I was trying to get in one of them. I wasn't really good at finding funny jokes, but I remember I found the idea for one of those drawings to draw one of those magazines. And uh, I created those characters and I had some ideas. I remember they may be eating each other these characters because those weekly magazines also make monthly big uh, fixtures, I think. Uh, and there is a lot of dark stories on that. And I was uh, imagining that maybe I can be part of that magazine as well. And I wrote that story and I start to make in 3D and that, oh, at those years, but I wasn't really good at 3D back then. I was just learning. I was able to complete the modeling process I had my rough story. I started it, but since I wasn't really good at it, I couldn't go on. I couldn't finish the project. I realized it, is, it wasn't working and I just left it over there. And it was staying in my folder like for years. I finished like three f films after that. And when I finished Avaria, there was uh, our culture of ministry giving some fundings for the new films. And I saw Lal standing there as a folder. Well, this project is kind of cooked and I can prepare that for that funding process actually. And I made it and I got some money and I got, I gave all that money to my animator actually uh, to fit it. And I asked if he can animate it. He can animate everything. He accepted it. Then this is uh, how we started that project actually. When you was writing it, is that what talk a little bit about the writing process? So you had an idea of maybe they can eat each other. Do you kind of just keep revisiting notes and ideas and, and just naturally grow into something? And then when you start production, does it change much when you're in production, or do you stick stick strictly to um, what you intended at the start? Um, the weird thing is, uh, I wasn't writing back then. I was making only storyboards. I was taking pictures from the 3D screenshots or maybe I was drawing. For Golden Shot, there was like a two uh, A3 size paper 
storyboard hanged in my wall. That was my script, actually. I I made the film looking at that. For Lal, it is it was similar. That was a sketchbook kind of thing, and I um, just drove the shots to them, and the story was in my mind, kinda actually. Uh, I mean, it's not really a good way of working if you have you have a team because. Uh, for example, in Avaria, I had to write the script because in there, there was a lot of people who was working on that. So I need to make my project feasible for everyone. But for Lal, I, did it, I didn't need it. That's why I can't remember actually what happened. <laughs> I just put the shots. Well, this makes sense after this. This makes sense after this. And I completed that way. But the thing is, I when I recreating the film in, with Ferret in 2019, I added extra elements for example the things under the platform the things how they build up uh, the things how their connections happening actually i added later on that they were not in the original story but uh, adding them i think actually helped me to you know glue the story in a better way your s- skill set and your what you can do you have a technical approach to things as well you're a technical director what was what was the uh, technical challenges on something like this? I think crowd scenes were a little bit challenging. I was going to that was I was leading on to the crowd um, yeah, how yeah. that was done. And I wanted to look at really organic. And I yeah I'm a technical director, but I'm not that technical, so I wasn't able to use those crowd simulation softwares. I I didn't have time to learn them. Maybe I should invest in them, but. We found that with Ferit, he was creating like, for example, for the fight scene, I remember he created like eight different fight sequences and export them as Alembic file to me. And I cut them into half, merge with other one, like make a lot of combinations. And some, for example, uh, in one fight, they are both same animation. I remove some limbs, some parts from the fight and it starts to look some other type of fight. And this way I, I was able to create like uh, 50, uh, 40 different variations. And that helped me to film my scene. That was the point anyway. So that's, I remember how we solved it, but it was a challenging little, yeah. Was there motion capture? Was it all animated cycles? What was the, the workflow for, for animation across the whole project, including the crowd? Uh, it was all it was all animation, uh, was and there's where there was no motion capture. I wasn't able to use motion capture very well because there wasn't good tools back then. Maybe now it is possible because if you are gonna motion capture in 2007, you're gonna have to have the nice suits, you know. Mm-hmm. But now you can motion capture with the video recordings. Maybe if if you record with your iPhone, you can motion capture that. I believe in the future we are able to. I am going to be able to use motion capture data with AI, make this look more animation-like. Because motion capture data is not really good-looking animation. It is working in the games. If the character proportions are human-like, it is okay. But for animated characters, it is not really a good approach. But AI can help us at that point because AI can analyze the motion, can analyze the character and can find a good way to execute that animation on that character is that something that you're looking to implement in future projects ai then yeah we won't go down into the ai route too much but it's just interesting i'm, I'm really interested i mean yeah. I'm, I'm not using them now a lot i mean i experimented with mid journey and etc they are not ready to do any 
film for now, especially in video. They are good for producing images, but not for video. But I believe they will be in the future. And my dream to be a filmmaker who can work alone, actually, who can do everything by himself, because I, I kind of get stressed with the crews and, and it's expensive. I don't have the money all the time. I just, the good thing with animation is when you have an idea, the same day you can start to produce that film. That's the best part of the animation. And, but it's, it is also being possible with your knowledge as well. But still there's a lot of uh, work has to be done and AI can help us to, you know, make those uh, repetitive processes easier. I don't think the, the AI going to be good to solve artistic part or going to be able to write good scripts. The creative and what gives us the goosebumps in the stories is going to be still possible by the humans at least for the next 30 years or something. But AI going to help us to complete those, you know, unnecessary repetitive processes. The human touch is something that, yeah, it's the emotive, especially with stories. I think uh, that emotion and that connection that viewers have with characters, um, you know, yeah. it's that human relatability, isn't it? That human emotion that really touches home. I agree. How about software, shaders, pipeline? What what was that like on this? Uh, it was all in Maya, most of the animations. Um, the Agem worked to make the textures with ZBrush. And I kind of uh, implemented to Maya with Substance Painter as well. I used it. The platform and the, the things underneath has been created by me and the character textures created by the Agem. And they were not really fitting to each other because one of them uh, had re re a lot of detail. One of them is like uh, different sets of looking. So uh, with the Substance Painter, I kind of combined them to into the same look. I created the platform, the door, the wood, um, the stone areas and everything with sub, uh, Maya modeling in Maya uh, and adding some details in ZBrush and texturing in Substance Painter, actually, and rendering them all in Redshift. Okay, nice. Was there much post-work on... Uh, yeah, I used After Effects, but I don't think there was a lot of post-processing. I, I just made the colors... Um, there was some glows for those, you know, uh, merging parts and the things underneath. But I, I, I kind of like working all the way my true in 3D and not leaving my much work to the post process because I want to see the result and the render. And and audio as well. You're a you're a one man band, uh, yeah, not one man. One obviously, man. there's more people, one or two other people on this one. But you do a lot, and including audio and sound design. Can you talk about um, that as well? Yeah, that was the most fun part for me, <laughs> actually. I've spent like uh, six weeks to do audio, actually. And since there was no dialogue and since we don't know what those characters are, actually, I kind of have the freedom to add them anything I want, actually. And I recorded lots of uh, cracking woods sounds. Was you just in a foley room or like walking through with a microphone, just touching things and twisting things and <laughs> cracking things? I, I recorded in the outside, actually. But since the sounds were like really high level, I kind of was able to hide the background noise. Sometimes I didn't. If you listen really carefully, you can see a, what was the chicken, which was male. 
Rooster, oh, rooster, uh, rooster uh, yeah. noise in the background. Yeah. That is yeah, available <laughs> in the film as a bonus. But, you know, I couldn't ha- hide it. Well, I was recording those outside mostly, but if it's a really silent thing, really in- uh, intense thing, I was, you know, recording inside. But it wasn't a really professional room. I was just putting a lot of uh, curtains and, you know, things that hide the noises, reflections, everything. I was recording that way in my house, actually. Did you do any behind-the-scenes filming of you, like, doing all that stuff? Yeah, I, I shared as a story in the Instagram. I can send it to uh, as a That'd be amazing to see, well. yes. I use also a lot of uh, VST instruments. Have you heard them? Well, oh, VS Virtual instruments, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's lots of companies now. I think they are really active after the 2005 or something. And they are like mimicking the real instruments with the uh, help of software, actually. I mean, you can obviously record a violin, but you can't just play it how something that human does. But with the help of software, they can mimic those things as well. And I'm really into those world and I, I'm really happy to, to try out new things with their demos and everything or just watch their YouTube videos and I uh, buy some of those and help uh, use them in the Lali as well also the synths as well. Have you got a background in kind of audio design or was because of these personal projects it's something that you learnt along the way? No yeah it's something that I learned in the way I learned Ableton uh, oh yeah, um, I created all the sounds over there. Maybe Ableton is not really good for the film production. Maybe it's just live performance thing, but it's helping me. And I was in a band as well. I was playing keyboards. It was like 2009 or something. The band dismissed, but in that process, I learned a lot of because I was searching for the sounds. That's when I met with the VSTs, the synths, and everything. Then I realized what is possible to do them, and I learned what effects does what is the reverb what is a delay you know those help me as well and being in a that band helped me a lot when you've got a design and rules limitations occur to a degree whereas with this character you don't really know what it is so you can effectively make it sound like whatever you want so i guess that was quite fun to explore like it's it's not meant to sound like this it's not a cat it shouldn't sound like a cat or it's not this it shouldn't sound like this you can have a lot of fun with with creating it. Exactly, that's the best way with this uh, best thing with the sound because even to the real footage, even to the cat, if you put a car noise, you got a something different. And I love I I love experimenting those. And with these characters in the lab, those experiments area really wide. My friend told me at some point after seeing what I was doing, he told me that these men were like uh, chocolate and wood, you know, and so that kind of helped me to focus on those materials as well. But I add a lot of effects to those recordings as well, so they are not really sounding like wood or, you know. What's that movie? Um, what's, Steve, what's that movie where um, there's, a, there's a, the deaf girl and they have to kind of get away from that creature? What's the movie? This is gonna, this is gonna kill me. A Quiet Place. Oh my gosh, of course. That's that f- came into my mind, actually. Did it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But this, the creature in that, I think it was celery crunching and they added effects on top of it to create this 
kind of distorted, really creepy sound. Yeah, I, I saw that footage when they play with the vegetables overall to get some yeah, organic so- smashing voices. Yeah, it's it's like a really creative process. For example, in Alvaria, my friend Ozan, who made the sounds, he created all the robot sounds with a wine opener. Uh, you know, there okay. was one sold in IKEA. Maybe I am I'm not I'm not sure if it is available in UK, but it has a lot of uh, parts, so it makes a lot of metallic noises. So he recorded all the sounds. Actually, he was really missing his deadline, and he recorded those sounds with the MacBook's microphone and adding a lot of effects. He kind of uh, hide the you know bad voice quality, and also ha- that helped us to you know um, achieve something really not from this world. Actually, I always just imagine people when they're creating sounds for 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 projects like this. You know, have you did you ever find yourself kind of just walking around the house and just thinking, hmm, what does I wonder what that thing would sound like if I just smash it or if I just, you know, hit it with this or... I, I am doing that a lot and I had a really <laughs> shameful memory of it because I was in my hometown. I, I'm actually living in Istanbul, but uh, my hometown is uh, Hatay, really uh, south side of the Turkey, which is close to Mediterranean Sea. In Istanbul, I'm living in a small apartment, so uh, I don't have an area to make those experiments. Over there, I do have. There, we have a lo- uh, large garden and everything. And one day, I set my microphone up, and as you said, I was like wandering around and smashing things, like moving <laughs> things, you know, uh, crashing things. And uh, my father was watching me and he didn't realize <laughs> I was... <laughs> what the hell's going up to me? What is this kid doing like over there? Because it, when you saw it, it's really stupid and because there's no purpose. Like, it's not like that I'm working on something. But, and I explained to him later that I was recording voices and trying that to is, make voice actually. That is so funny to, to watch. Somebody do random stuff with no context at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that seems stupid. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to Lau, what was most challenging part of, or in general, what's the most challenging part do you find in making a short film? I think coming with the idea that after find your idea that you have to believe it is worth producing, because I have a lot of ideas now, and I'm re- keep writing them. I'm keep developing them, and in the process you start to believe, well, maybe that's not really good to produce because when you're animating them, you have to spend a lot of time. You have to spend like a year to animate it, to texture it, to model it. There's a lot of work going to be uh, done with that project and you need to uh, make yourself believe that that idea worth producing. And it's challenging because every new idea seems better than the old one. It's the same challenge for everyone. And I have to like uh, believe it uh, as a religious person uh, that this idea is good, this idea is worth producing, then I have to keep going. And while I'm doing the film, I believe, well, it's not really good, well, it's not working, what what am I doing? It is not going to work at all. You know, after I finished Golden Shot, for example, I thought that none of the film festivals are going to accept the film because I believe that was total rubbish and it is kind of overwhelming while working really hard because you have to finish the project because you're already halfway through you spend a lot of money time to it 
and you have to finish it to see the results. Otherwise, all going to go to waste. So I think keeping that track, keeping that motivation is the most challenging thing. I actually like producing the film. I don't have any problem with the technical part because while I'm writing my script, I'm choosing the easy technical ways to produce because I I know that I don't have much muscle power. For example, in Avaria, there's only two characters. One of the characters is a robot and it has a really simple rig. A man has a bit complicated, but I had a good rigor that I know. So I didn't go crazy on the film elements because I knew that I can't produce all of those. But in the script and idea part, that is challenging because over there you're alone and uh, it is hard to stay motivated. How long did LAL take to make? If you include the part that I started initially in 2010, I think it is like a year. Yeah. But after we decide back in 2019, we're going to do this, It I produced it in like six, five months or something. We were really quick because lots of the critical decisions has been already made. We just produced the animations. I received animation file from Fred. I just assembled into my scenes and start rendering. That was really fast process because Fred was a really good animator and he was really good what I was asking for uh, to understand what I was asking for. And... He was only animator, so it didn't. We didn't have the challenge, you know, sure. the, from the Avaria V to you know, make them similar. So it was really fast, actually. Did you ever go back to um, a shot or a render or an animation like two weeks later and go, "That looks terrible." You know, when you kind of extract yourself from something for a few weeks and you go back to it, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, "Oh, that doesn't that doesn't look good anymore." Did that ever happen? Yeah, yeah, that happens. I mean, uh, in Avaria, there was eight act and fifth act completely changed. I mean, there was completely different um, story flow there. And I, after I finished the film, uh, after we start to send the festivals, I started to have problems with that shot and sit down in front of the computer. I animated all that sh- act by myself. There wasn't really much uh, acting animation on that part anyway so I was able to do it myself I changed like uh, it was a 20 minute film and I changed like four minutes of it maybe three uh, completely after finishing the film uh, so it happens yeah it happens a lot but the good thing is uh, with the animation you can change it anytime I mean if, if, if it's a live action you can't do it you just have to go along maybe you can change something in the edit you can take out or you can add another shot but you can change. You can't change the existing shot. So as an animator, I think it's my chance. It's my luck. Yeah, definitely. But you can just sit there, open up a file, and just play with it on your own. Yeah. In your own time. Talking of your own time, you clearly take on a lot of roles, big projects, and you do audio. How do you find the time to create these passion projects? I don't know. Maybe I'm not really good at it. <laughs> good at managing that. But the thing is, um, I don't have this regular floats. Like there's six months that I do nothing. Just I just mm-hmm. play games or I just hang out with my friends, not sit in front of the computer at all. There is six months that I just stay at home and sit, um, work, uh, maybe a commercial work, maybe a film project. So there's no a regular flow on that. I believe that if, enjoying the process if i'm enjoying that producing that thing i just don't want to get up front of it i just want to stay there until i'm done with it maybe that's a bad idea for really 
big projects, but since were my projects were really small, I were I was able to manage that time. But since I'm getting older now, maybe I don't have that flexibility anymore. Maybe if I six, sit six months in front of the computer, maybe that will kill me now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? As you get older, your kind of your fatigue and the, the endurance of you know, sitting in, I remember sitting in front of my computer when I was like 19 at university, just up till like five o'clock in the morning and, and just learning all this like stuff, like three days, as much as possible. And I would go to sleep, go to university. And I never really felt like, oh, I'm, I'm really tired. I, I, but, but now, you know, staying on the computer or doing something till 11 p.m., I'm like, oh, I'm knackered. I'm shattered, man. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I am. I'm. I'm thinking about of a retirement plan that I'm planning to do ceramics or something, <laughs> something <laughs> far from computer. I don't want to sit front of it. It was fun back then, sitting front of the computer. It was a beautiful world. Everything was there, like opening a new software, playing games. Everything was nice. But now it has this negative effect. Sitting on front of the computer is wasn't really good thing i mean i'm still have to do it because this is how i make my money how i make my living but i don't like it anymore i like writing scripts with the note paper in sitting in the park and everything i like working there is no problem but working with the keyboard and mouse so i don't like it maybe apple vision that vr glass could, will help yeah. us and i can work in the park <laughs> or on your or on your bike <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm, I'm imagining that yeah no rendering and riding at the same time or whatever. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you still do that like now on these projects? Not much. But that is surprising to me, actually, because when I started commercial, I'm doing a few commercial works now, and I I believe I can manage them really well, my time, and, and I don't need to work a lot now because maybe clients are asking easy things for from me now, or maybe I know how to do it better now sure. so I can manage the projects better because I remember in my first commercial works I had really panic attacks and everything because uh, you know that I can't never catch the deadlines projects seemed really hard but now it, it is not the case I can really manage them easily I know what needs to be done so it is easier now I guess it's that managing expectations as an artist as well you know and working smarter and not harder because I guess with experience you do get quicker or you find ways that will be better to do certain things when you're younger you you want to sort of say yes to everything you go I can do that I can do that and you take on probably more than you should because you feel like you've got maybe something to prove but exactly yeah and when you get older and you're like I ain't doing that shit like you know my time is worth more than just killing myself to get that stuff done I'm going to either say yes or say no or work smarter to, to get the job done, you know. Or maybe you know what the client wants, actually. You start to understand, well, this is a that type of client and he is asking for this type of work. So and more than that is going to be pointless. He's going to change it anyway. So I'm not spending my time. As you said, I, maybe when I was young, uh, I, I find something that I believe really beautiful and I'm trying to sell that to the client but client never want to buy that from me he wanted to buy something else but his mind so I know I can predict what was his mind and 
I produced that and he's happy. I am happy that I didn't spend a lot of time to it. Then we leave happy. You know, it's a really good sort of advice, I guess, for youngsters or, or people getting into this type of work. It's It can be grueling at times and it's a lot of people have this uh, stigma of it's a long long days and you have to kind of grind which is true i guess in some projects you know big vfx projects um you know people are working to the core to get stuff done i want more time and less kind of painful work because health is kind of number one at the end of the day isn't it you know looking after yourself not killing yourself over over grafting 16 hour days yeah it doesn't worth it no, it, it definitely doesn't work. What do you do in your spare time to kind of completely separate from 3D? I can see a big bike on the wall. I guess that's part of it. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's bike. Uh, we play basketball. And I, I, I like learning things without looking at the internet. Now I'm trying to learn making clay stuff. I found oh, okay. the clay from the mountains. I'm not buying anything from the internet. Everything has to be created from scratch. And I'm trying to find out how can I get the best clay, how can I wash that, how can I cook it, how can I give the best shape to it. You are making a lot of uh, cracking bad experiments, but in the end it is fun uh, to discover that and it is far from digital work, you're not watching any tutorials and everything. And That's last great. year I tried to figure out making flutes out of bamboos. Uh, there was bamboo, small type of bamboo growing up in my in our gardens and I start to think if I can turn it into the flutes and I managed I kind of got the sound of them it was really sounding bad but I managed to get the sound you know I'm 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 really liking playing with these out of my uh, expertise uh, areas sure. yeah so you, you're not watching TikTok videos on how to do to be honest that is a big problem for me I'm, yeah. I'm glad you bring that on because for example, after I'm finishing this commercial work I'm doing, I'm planning to take a 30-day break from all the screens because I think, the, I believe there's a sickness all over the world. It's like a pandemic, like COVID, but we don't realize it. And the internet, the, 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 the new things that we consume every day actually consumes us. And it, I believe it's really dangerous. And I... I I don't know what will happen in the end, but I feel for myself, I need to get away from those. My screen time, like four or five hours a day sometimes. And I, I don't see any point. Like, what did I do over there? What was the yeah, point? Definitely. I'm on, on board with that, Kakalp, uh, just sort of separating, you know, finding any moments to kind of just get away from a screen or, you know, it's kind of refreshing, isn't it? And again, yeah. looking after yourself, like mentally, physically, is very important. Um, exactly, yeah. And, and it's interesting because your projects, you know, there's a lot of tech in there. There's a lot of like technology with, you know, robots and things like that. And then clearly now you're kind of trying to separate from those worlds in a way. Well, but the story is actually about the pain of it, actually. I mean, if you look at it, Avaria, the man is able to find a new planet and... Uh, he has a really good ship. He has the last technology and he is not able to find a new planet. He just keeps searching. The robot gives him a new uh, planet and he's not accepting it. And the system doesn't allow the man to settle down in a new planet. It is exactly what's happening in our world now. Because yeah. 
uh, we have a lot of choices in the internet. When we buy, want to buy something, you have a lot of cho choices, and you're getting lost, and you can't get what you want. You can't, you can't satisfy it at all. In the end, you are just keep searching because the system itself is set to sell to you this happiness all the time. Yeah, that's yeah. the idea, and you're not gonna happy in the end at all. It is the same logic in Avaria. That was my motivation, actually. So yeah. even though I used the robots, actually, I had a problem. I have a problem with the system itself, actually. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely. Definitely see that. Thinking of technology and, and you know, separating and, and, you know, being brainwashed with stuff and putting everything in front of everyone's faces and stuff. There's a really good graphic novel that I read. It's one of my favorites. It's called Tokyo Ghost. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Seems really interesting, yeah. It's about people in a world, a post-apocalyptic world, full of technology, brainwash, like, you know, screens and screen time and advertisements. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a few people, one follows this a girl and her partner, kind of trying to separate and go to the Greenland where there's no technology and trying to sort of pull away from all that. But it's, it's incredible. You know, like people on drugs kind of sit down in these like drug dens and similar to that, but they're sort of consuming technology and kind of hits of, and you know, dopamine hits with advertisements, but it's very similar to that drug addiction. So people addicted to drugs in this world, everyone's addicted to technology and screens and advertising and things like that. So definitely want to check out. Uh, sounds amazing and sounds really familiar with our world now. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's interesting how, you know, the 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 movies that we've watched in the past, all these sci-fi tech movies, it's 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 happening in our own world right now. You know, I mean, if I was a really famous director, and if I like everyone was waiting for my film, I would do. This is one of my dreams. I would put a selective group of people to a camp without mm -hmm. any technological device, like like at 30 days or something then i will present my film <laughs> to them because you know i think to to consume something with uh, all meanings we need that clear mind and we don't have it anymore like we can't watch the films as we should do or you know we can't play the games as we focused as we are in early days so that's a problem i think yeah would you would you ever experiment in the world of kind of stop motion animation rather than dig a digital world to kind of explore that space yeah yeah i'm seriously thinking that yeah making animation making films with the plastic things first then i i'm going to be able to produce my models physically that i don't have to play to, uh, spend time on front of the computer and i can get up because i can have a larger table to work on and i can move a lot i can take the model from there to there you know not with the mouse click physically myself i'm going to be the cursor so that's a that's a really good idea i think yeah <laughs> what is next for you like you know talking about distancing yourself from technology and, and the digital world of filmmaking i i do have ideas still but i am questioning now that i if the film itself is a really good medium to tell those stories Maybe I will produce a few more films, but I am in research for a new medium, actually, a new way of telling people, maybe in an environment, maybe in a museum, maybe in a exhibition area or something. But I am planning to make my future projects on those physical fields. 
but I, I think I'm gonna have to produce more films uh, in the future because it's keeping me refreshed. Uh, if I just gave up, uh, I couldn't have uh, energy to do do those other projects as well. So I have few ideas. I have a future idea that I'm writing now. I don't know if it is going to be ever alive, but yeah, th those are happening, growing in my mind. Those are like uh, small seeds and I planted them. Sometimes I gave them some water, some sunlight, and maybe they grow, maybe they die. They don't like their places, you know. I don't know how it will turn out in the end. Do you see yourself in the future, future, just doing more kind of directing and and not being in front of the the, the CG side of things at all? Is that a world that you want to kind of keep at arm's length? I would prefer to just directing or writing the stories and not just uh, diving into the producing part. Just because I'm not really good at it, not because that I don't like that, but. I believe there are really good artists and I prefer to work with them because uh, I will never be able to reach that level because I don't have that motivation. But there are artists who are already at that level and I would prefer to work with them uh, as a director. So it will help me to get up from the computer as well. So yeah, it's a really good way of approaching to future. It's clearly something that is needed in your kind of life, but you want to kind of separate from it. Yeah, Hopefully one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish you all the best with it, uh, Gokalp. Um, and I just want to say thank you for your time. That's been really interesting you to get too, into your you mind, too. honestly. Thank you. Thank you for for enlightening questions for me because because of your questions, I was able to talk about this. So it was really nice. What, what are you doing for the rest of the day and what is happening on the weekend? That's a big question. Um, there is going to be some feedbacks from my client today i didn't open it uh, now it was in the skype i'm gonna check that out maybe i'll take a look at that and i'm gonna take a walk in the evening maybe i don't know maybe i'll read a book and <laughs> everything boring stuff <laughs> if you go on a walk does your mind switch off or do you still kind of spark ideas Actually, it happens when I'm doing the routine jobs. I like washing the dishes, for example. It helps me a lot to think about those things. Or if I am cleaning the house, that helps the, uh, helps emptying uh, my brain. When I'm walking, I can't do that much because I like observing. When there is nothing observing and if you're doing something routine, like cleaning, as I said, it, it helps me a lot, yeah. And also, if you're reading a really boring book, that helps a lot because you're reading, but you're not reading and you're, <laughs> yeah. you have that empty space. I like that. So I have a lot of boring books. Uh, then I just, I don't, I never able to finish them. And I just open it from the middle and start reading and then I'm meditating. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. you kind of, yeah, like a, you go into an empty space because it's not engaging and you kind of go yeah. somewhere else. I don't know, maybe trying to follow the lines makes your brain into a certain area. Uh, so that helps you think freely, I think. And also maybe when you're reading, you're catching some words and those words are making, giving you some inspiration. Yeah. So that's an interesting way. I like doing that as well, yeah. Well, I wish you all the best, Gokalp, honestly. Thank you. Have an amazing weekend. Enjoy the walk. Thank you, man. Thanks, Gokalp. Take care and great to meet you, honestly. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. 
Remember to check out our other episodes available or check out the podcast in video form on our YouTube. Please drop us a rating and review. See you next time. The VFX Process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios. Thank you.